The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. We're, uh, we're in a series called Lights, Camera, Action. Today's part five, and this series centers around the beginning um, of the movement that we call Christianity. Now, that's a word obviously most of us are familiar with, and like, yeah, 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 but we find the history in the book of Acts in the Bible, and what we want to do was really look at that, that book and, and, and figure out kind of first century the work that was happening, but, but specifically, as you look at the series, it's not so much about the acts of the church as it is the acts of the Holy Spirit guiding the life of the church. And in week one, we talked about the Holy Spirit giving us power and strength that we need to live like Christ. In part two, we talked about how the Holy Spirit gives us boldness to be a witness, specifically speak uh, for Christ and, and help people see his love. The third one, and Aaron did this a couple weeks ago, talked about the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I must go away, and the, the Holy Spirit will come, the counselor, the paraclete, the encourager will come and encourage us in our walk <clears throat> so we can be an encouragement to others. And then last week, Ryan did a great job talking about how we need to seek the conviction of the Holy Spirit as much as we would seek the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And you can always go back online and watch or listen to any of those messages. But today, in part five, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you got a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. Of course, we will put it on screen, and there is a Bible in front of you. you got a smartphone with a Bible app. That works as well. Well, I have four kids. Like I just said, we were on vacation. We have four kids, and, and um, I love giving them gifts, and, and they enjoy receiving gifts. It, it's, it's a joy both ways, but let's be honest. I think most of us in this room go, I love a good gift. I love it when somebody gives a good gift. You open it up, and you're excited, and there it is, and that's kind of fun. Um, how many of you guys have heard of swag before? Just raise your hands. Swag. How many of you guys know what swag stands for? Anybody? What does it stand for? What is it? Acronym. Yeah, stuff we all get. Some of you guys didn't know that. You just thought swag, okay. Swag means stuff we all get. Now, the idea is, like if you attend a, a, a swanky kind of party in LA or New York or wherever, and, and it's sponsored by somebody, they'll give out at the entrance, they'll give out swag bags. And literally, inside some of these bags at high-end parties, you'll get like a brand new Apple Watch and a high-end pair of shoes, the latest expensive cologne or perfume or purses or whatever. And it's kind of a big deal. Like you get a lot of stuff in these swag bags. Well, it seems like a weird parallel, but what excites me when it comes to that conversation is this. God has gifts for his church. God has gifts for each of us, and it's stuff we all get. So in some ways, you could say God has swag for us. Is that a stretch? Okay. But, but honestly, the, the idea is this. When you look at the whole of what we've been talking about the last few weeks, it's this idea that the gift of the Holy Spirit was promised through John the Baptist. John said, I baptize, baptize you with water, but there's coming one that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He talks about this gift that will come. Jesus went on to say in John 14, 15, even 16, he said, I must go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And he says in Acts 1, it's the gift his father had promised. So the idea of the gift is, is kind of this overarching idea that, that you and I have the Holy Spirit. But what happens is we're supposed to open the gift. And what I mean by that is peel back the layers of the Holy Spirit and look inside because what you'll find is it's not just one big you know, Holy Spirit. It's more specific than that. And that's what Paul explains to the church at Corinth 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you've got a Bible, you can read along, but I'm going to read starting in verse 4. <clears throat> now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. And other, uh, to another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. These all are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions each one individually as he wills. Father, today we stop and pray. The invitation for me is really that your spirit would help every one of us in this room understand the value of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that you've given to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are, and and like I said, what's cool is that the picture is that God has gifted the church. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we have these gifts, and he lists all kinds of them. And it's kind of exciting. He brings up another list to another church when he writes what we call the Book of Romans. It was a letter to the churches in in Rome. And he writes in Romans 12 another list of gifts, some that are the same, some that are different. He talks about prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy in that list. But what's cool is, as you look at the Book of Acts, You see all these different gifts in different areas of the book of Acts. As you open in Acts 1 and 2, like I said, it's the overarching idea. It's the Holy Spirit being poured out. But then as the book continues, you read, and I'll just give a few examples. In Acts chapter 6, the church has grown by thousands. And all of a sudden, the leaders in the church step back and go, okay, hold on here. We need to be careful because we're called to preach the gospel. We're called to share the message of Christ and we can't get stuck in the weeds of logistics. Why don't we you know, empower some others and we call them today deacons to serve with logistics so we can continue in the ministry of the word. And once again, that's the, the, the gift from the Holy Spirit of leadership or oversight. It's a practical gift. In, in Acts chapter eight, Peter is preaching the word and there's some guy behind him that's agitating the crowd and there's something going on. He's saying what's true, but he's saying it in a way that it's not good. And Peter, because of, I believe he's using the, the, the gift of discernment, turns around and rebukes the demonic presence from this man because of, again, the discernment that he's given. Ananias in Acts chapter 9 is a guy that the Lord gives him a word of knowledge about what to do because Paul... Saul, technically, who's going around killing Christians, ends up having an encounter with Jesus, gives his life to Christ. His name is then changed to Paul. And Ananias, the Lord says, go and pray for this guy. And Ananias is like, Lord, he's going to kill me. He's trying to kill other Christians. And the Lord gives him another word of, of knowledge. He says, go, because he's my chosen instrument. Pray for him. Another example is um, Agabus. Agabus is kind of a, a, a different guy. We don't know a ton about him. We know he was involved in leadership in the church. But two times in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 11 and in Acts chapter 21, Agabus shows up on the scene. 
In Acts chapter 11, he brings up kind of this picture of there's going to be a famine that the Lord showed him, so he wanted to make sure the churches were prepared. In Acts 21, he literally shows up in front of Paul, takes Paul's belt off of him, ties, like hog ties himself on the ground and says, Paul, this is what's going to happen to you if you go to Rome. And he's using this idea of prophecy. God showed him what's going to happen. And Agabus uses the gift of prophecy. Barnabas, his name means son of encouragement. Aaron talking about encouragement a couple of weeks ago. But we see in Acts 11, 12, and 13, Barnabas using teaching and encouraging gifts in those chapters. Throughout the book of Acts, you have guys like Peter and Paul and Philip and Stephen performing miracles throughout the book. As you continue on, uh, Paul and Peter in particular, the other apostles, they're praying and empowering people with the Holy Spirit for boldness. And it says at different times, they receive the gift of speaking in tongues through the Holy Spirit. So Paul teaches the church about th- these gifts and, and is trying to help the first century church understand that they have their place in the body of Christ. And it's, it's exciting. But he's also trying to remind us, I believe 2,000 years later, the value of these gifts within the body of Christ. The problem is the church historically hasn't always been very excited about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to mention is this. There's a, there's a couple of camps we can talk about. One is this one camp that would say that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they ended after the first century in Christianity. So go back to, to these stories here and the Holy Spirit's at work. But, but these, this group, and they're called cessationists, don't believe those gifts are for today, that that ceased a long time ago. Now, you can study church history and you will never find a time in church history where these gifts ever actually ceased. And you can look at history and read about that. So the, this group would say this, they believe based on, and they use 1 Corinthians 13 as their foundation for why these gifts don't exist anymore. And it's a chapter about love. And I'm gonna talk a little more about this in a second. But in 1 Corinthians 13, they would bring up, you know, where there are prophecies, there will be still where there are tongues, it will pass away, the old order of things, and when perfection comes, that that stuff will be gone. And they would say, we've reached that. Jesus completed his work. The first century church is established. The Bible, the canon of the Bible is closed in the third century, you know, after Christ, and it's done. The problem there is this. They're taking 1 Corinthians 13, I believe, completely out of context, just like a lot of people do at weddings. We love, love is patient, love is kind, and that's great, but, but let me explain this to you. Paul writes a whole letter, and you gotta remember chapter one all the way to the end, what chapter 15, 16 there. And in 1 Corinthians, in, in chapter 10 and 11, he's rebuking the Corinthian church for being a party church. I've mentioned before, they're getting drunk on communion. They're fighting with each other. There's a sense of pride about certain behavior going on that's sexually immoral. Paul's going, stop it. There are people in the Corinthian church that have certain gifts from the Holy Spirit that have elevated themselves and look down their nose at others who don't have the same gifts. So in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, Paul is cleaning up a mess. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, that's where I already read, he talks about all these different gifts. Did you notice when I was reading that, how over and over when he talks about the gifts, he keeps saying, and this gift by the Spirit, and this gift 
by that spirit. And this gift, by the same spirit. And this gift, by, it's like, why can't you just list the gifts and stop saying at every interval, by the spirit? The reason is this. Because there was so much division that Paul is building a case for there needs to be unity because all of these different gifts came from the same spirit and in that one spirit, there ought to be unity. So that's what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 12 when he keeps repeating, by the same spirit, by that one spirit, by the Holy Spirit, because there ought to be unity. And he's saying to the church, you guys, there is not unity. We have a problem here. So there's all of these gifts. And by the way, that's where he begins to get into in 1 Corinthians 12, the idea of the body. You have all these gifts, all from the same spirit. It's like the body. You have one body with many parts. And so part of the idea that Paul is painting is that the church is like a body. There's unity, it has different functions, there's hands and eyes and feet and all this stuff, and they're all needed, and when they're functioning correctly, they function together in unity. And then, and that's where he moves into 1 Corinthians 13. And now, I will show you the most excellent way. So you put all this together, and when he gets to 1 Corinthians 13, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I gain nothing. If I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give my body to the flames and surrender all I have to the poor, but have not love, it's worthless. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. Love isn't rude. Love isn't self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's the older, they will pass away. And then he says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So what I'm saying is, in the middle of all of this infighting, that's not God because God, everything's coming from one spirit. And what's more important than this idea of competing with your gift and my gift and this one's better than that one is that you walk in love. You're missing it. And then he goes right into 1 Corinthians 14 where he begins to go back to the conversation about gifts. And yet people would say, based on 1 Corinthians 13, those gifts don't belong anymore because now we have the perfect way. That's not true. It's misunderstanding. So there's one camp that says those gifts aren't for today. There's another camp that would elevate the gifts and really make church services more like a circus. And what it becomes about is people that have certain public gifts and people looking up to them and envying them and, listen, wanting the word of the Lord from those people. And that's dangerous because what happens is you come to church and you want God to work in your life, but you've got to have that person pray for you. You've got to have that person give you the word of the Lord. You've got to have that individual. And and that's where I want to remind us as a church. When you look at what Jesus did on the cross, the Bible says that in the temple, the veil was torn in the holy place. And the reason that's significant is because it was symbolic of you and I, because of what Jesus finally did on the cross, you and I having access to God ourselves without having to go through somebody who's gifted. 
And we get stuck in a world where we watch television and see you know, some channel with spiritual teaching or we go to certain church services where a certain individual's walking around and they're going to have a stand and let's pray and do this. And I'm not anti the idea that you could pray for people, but when we look at that as our way to God or we want that gift because people will look at us and go, wow, that's when it goes wrong. See, that's the danger. That's what Peter was saying to Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8. I want what you have. I want that. People will envy me. People will marvel at what I can do. Stop it. Your motive is wrong. And yet in the world that we live in today, I got to be honest, even, you know, they're, they're sort of Christian superstars. And that's fine. It's going to happen in, in the world. It's going to happen. But when we want to pattern our lives like that because we want to be like that so that we can be known, that's when it becomes dangerous. That's when we're missing and our hearts are in the wrong place. God, whatever gift you've given me, I want to use for your glory. I want it to be about you. I don't really want it to be about me. And that's something that all of us can struggle with at times, if we're really honest. And so there's two camps. One, no, 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 the gifts aren't for today. And there's others where, oh, look at all these amazing gifts, and you should want all those, and look at what you could become if you had them. And both camps are dangerous. At the Grove Church, let me just say this. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we believe that they're meant to be active in the life of believers today. However, we also believe that we've got to understand why these gifts are so important. And let me just lay down a couple of things that I think are worth saying. First of all, I went through 1 Corinthians 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 really, really fast. But I want to mention a couple of things. One of the big issues in 1 Corinthians 14 that comes up is speaking in tongues and prophecy. And in church world, this is a question that comes up that, that you know, I've sat down and had conversations with people and people want to ask about as far as like, what, what is this? How, you, know, you believe in that or whatever? And I want to say this. I don't believe that any of those gifts were meant to cease at any point in church history. I believe God has given us the Holy Spirit. And within the Holy Spirit, as we open up the box, we find that all of these gifts are at play. But Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians what happens when we desire certain things that people marvel at. And I already kind of mentioned this, but, but it, it's meant, or it's helpful for us to understand this word tongues means a couple of different things. In Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, it says that they, were, they, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire coming to rest on each of them in the upper room in prayer. And, and they, they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. Now that word there in Acts chapter two is the word for other languages. And remember a couple of weeks ago, I said that, that it was during Pentecost, which was a, a gathering festival of people from all over the place that spoke all kinds of languages. And so when that movement pours out from the upper room, which it does, people from, it's, remember it says residents in Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Phrygia, all these different areas, they hear them, remember, speaking the wonders of God in their own languages. So that kind of tongues means you may not understand what you're saying, but somebody else can understand what you're saying because it's another language. It's somewhere around the globe. That's that tongues. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12 and then in 14, when Paul talks about tongues, he's talking about another activity in tongues, which would be uh, a private prayer language. And it may not be a language anybody would understand on this earth, but Paul talks about it as a, as a prayer language between you and God, meant to edify your spirit, and, and, and you're connected with God as you're praying and, and speaking in tongues, and Paul would say in, in words that nobody can express, or utterances that nobody can understand. It's a private prayer language meant to be between you and God. And then the third one that's mentioned is tongues alongside of the word interpretation, 
which means in a gathering like this, if anybody has a tongue, you know, speaking in tongues at certain moments in a service, there needs to be somebody else that in, in a pause in a moment in the service could go, I, I have the interpretation. Here's what God, I believe, is trying to say through that individual and somebody who can interpret what's being said. Otherwise, Paul says in that moment, there shouldn't be an individual speaking in tongues just at random because, and 1 Corinthians 14 is saying this, because nobody understands it. If I get up and just do it like this, and, and I'm not trying to make light of it, I just want to give you an example. Blah, 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 blah. So anyway, um, if you look at, you know, you're like, what was that? And that's Paul's point in 1 Corinthians 14. If there's not an interpretation to it, it doesn't make sense to anybody. And he even says this in the same chapter, people that come in that aren't people that go to church are going to look at you and go, you're out of your minds. And we're all like, mm-hmm, pretty, yeah, I get it. Because nobody can understand what's going on. That's why Paul says, if you're gonna, if you're gonna use the gifts in the church, then you know what? You can speak in tongues. He says, fine, but I would far rather have you prophesy. And what he means by that is not stand up and, and predict the future. What he literally means by prophecy in that context is declare forth the word of God. It's like these moments where I get to teach the scriptures to you. That's, that's really what th- this is about. And so it's this, it's this understanding that, that, that that matters. Now, let me make three statements about the gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit to the church. And I've already men- mentioned these, but I'm gonna say them again because I think it does matter. The gifts are meant for the edification of the body of Christ, the building up of the body of Christ. They're not gifts to make you look good. They're not gifts to make people jealous. They're not gifts for, for any other reason except to build up the body of Christ. The second thing is, and 1 Corinthians 14, again, Paul's reeling in the chaos. He says it needs to be done in a fitting and orderly way. What was going on in the church in Corinth is all these different people that, that realized they had certain gifts were just popping up whenever they wanted, saying whatever they wanted. Some random person singing a song whenever they wanted. Another person you know, up in the back somewhere yelling something. Another person, and it was chaos. And Paul's like, stop. It's no wonder people think you're nuts. I mean, that's, that's literally 1 Corinthians 14. And he goes on to talk about there needs to be order to this. In fact, if a bunch of people feel like they have a word, I would say this, and this is what Paul says, I would say there needs to be only two or three people giving it. The rest of the people cannot give it. And people go, well, wait, isn't that quenching the Holy Spirit? No, no, Paul says this, the spirit of the prophet is under the control of the prophet. So, hey, let's, let's reel this in because we're getting this word and that word and that word and that thing and that idea and that song and somebody dancing and all of it, time out. So 1 Corinthians 14, as you navigate, and I'm going to explain a little bit of a sidebar for a second here. When you get into 1 Corinthians 14, towards the end of it, he talks about this idea, and I don't don't permit women to speak in church. And you can read that, and I'm not going to skip over this because I want you to hear it. You go, well, wait a minute, what does that mean? I want to tell you, it doesn't mean what you think on the outset that it means. What it means is back in that day when women didn't receive an education and didn't really know anything except, you know, what, what they sort of picked up here and there, they were in church settings going, what about this? What about that? Lean over to their husbands. Hey, what about this? What's going on? Why is that happening? And Paul's like, stop. Why, when you, if you have questions, talk, talk at home. And the reason I say in context that, that that's what Paul is talking about is because in church, even in the New Testament, we see that there are women in places of leadership. The idea that there's deacons, but they're also deaconesses. The idea that we see there are females that, are, that prophesy and declare the word of God. The idea that Paul was taught by a female in part the way of Christ. And so again, I know there are groups out there that say, well, women shouldn't hold places of leadership in church. We completely disagree. And it's to once again, misunderstand in context what that's about. 
Because you gotta look at the whole of it, not just one chunk and go, well, women shouldn't speak anymore. So there you go. You're welcome for that one. But. <clears throat> okay, so they should operate order, not in chaos. And finally, and this, this matters in a huge way to me, we all have been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us. And maybe you're in here today and you haven't even surrendered your life to Christ yet. That's the beginning. The Bible says that's the foundation that everything else is built on. And if you haven't committed your life to Christ, it's the message of Jesus paying the price for your sin and my sin, meaning we've all made mistakes. We've all messed up. We've all done things wrong. And we can't work our way out of it, but we need Jesus. And that's where we find forgiveness. And if that's not a step you've taken or you're going, I don't know where I'm at with that or I did the back in youth group 10 years or whatever, then today I would say you need to give your life to Christ. You need to say yes to faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus, I believe you paid the price for everything I've done wrong. Come into my life. Be my savior from my mess. Be my Lord that I can follow you each day that I live. And that's the foundation. And then what you build upon it matters. And that's where I'm saying every single one of us has been given at least one gift, let alone others that, that we need to identify and, and live and operate in. And so when I get to that point, y'all go, well, wait a minute, what gift do I have? How do I even know? Because there are certain gifts I can name and go, there's a gift of administration. And people in here go, I'm pretty good like that, logistics. Other people go, gift of hospitality. Oh man, I'm hospital. I love having people over. I'm an extrovert or whatever. There's people that you hear like gifts of giving. Oh, I love being generous. I love it, love it, love it. My wife tells me not give away so much. Like I love it. Great. And then there's other gifts. So we hear those and go, cool. And then there are other gifts like prophecy or tongues or, or miracles or faith. And we go, oh, I don't know about those. But here's what I think is important. God has gifted the church with all of them. And, and even though some of them seem more logistical and practical and, and touchable, like I, I get that, and others maybe don't, it's important for us to acknowledge, Lord, whatever gift I might have, I want to use. And while some of those words today you go, I, I, don't, I don't know. I want to encourage us to, to be open to what God wants to do with his gifts for each of us. And I, I just want to simply take you here and then I'm going to be done for today. I would actually ask you just to take a couple of steps as you hear a message like this. The first step is this, make it a, a part of your prayer time just to say, Lord, show me what gifts you've given me through your Holy Spirit. Just pray a simple prayer. As you're praying, maybe you go into prayer and you read the Bible a little bit and you sing a worship song or something and you go into prayer and go, God, my mom's going through this and Lord, my family, Lord, at work and I'm kind of stressed and Lord, this is, in, and God, you know, and then stop in that moment and Lord, as Pastor Nick even said, Lord, just show me how you've gifted me. Just show me. And I know that's overly simple, but I really believe as you and I surrender to the Holy Spirit that God can reveal it certain ways, certain times, ways that we are gifted. So that's one. And the second is just a really practical one. But I would encourage you to Google spiritual gifts test lifeway. Now, the reason I add lifeway there is because there's a million weirdos. And there you can go to a million weird places and go, I don't know what that gift test is. But I honestly, and again, having done some homework, I just landed on, I think this to me is the most, you know, e easiest, simplest to understand. But, but I actually have it on screen. If you Google spiritual gifts test and Lifeway, one word, Lifeway, it'll take you to lifeway.com and it's a great resource site. But, but they have a spiritual gifts test on there that we downloaded. 
Spiritual gifts survey, and you can read the beginning, and it talks about, you know, five, you know, definitely me, one, like, no, no, not at all, or, you know, anything in between. And there's 80 questions that you're going to be asked. And you just answer to the, just off the top of your head, like, yeah, I'm good at that, or no, I'm not good at that, or that would terrify me, or I would love that. It's five, you know, scale of one to five. And you get to the end, and at the end of the 80th question, there, there's a, a sheet where you put in, you know, on question number six, what was your number? Question 16. And you, you go, you fill those in, it takes some time, and then you get your total. And the idea is the numbers that, that score high kind of help you understand this is how I'm wired. This is maybe a little bit how I'm gifted. And others where you go, well, not so much. Now, the other thing I love is you on the same website at Lifeway, you can click on another PDF that will take you to a better description because I don't have a lot of time, a better description of the gifts and help you understand what would it look like for you to use this gift or what does this, what does this gift even mean in the Bible? And then finally, and it's another link on there, that will take you to how could this gift, how could I operate in this gift within a local church context? Again, I know that's just a super practical thing, but I think it's easy to, to bring a message up like this and walk away and go, okay, we're all gifted, have a great day. And I'll go, awesome, but what? You know. And so I would say it's just super simple, but one, just make it a point of your, your regular prayer life or daily prayer life. God, just show me how I'm gifted. Show me how I'm wired. What, what have you given to me to be a part of the body of Christ? And then two, just take some, do a little bit of homework. Takes, they're fun to do. Some people love this stuff. Some people hate it either. I don't care. But anyway, um, so, so take some time, maybe today, this afternoon, this evening or whatever. And I really do believe um, it will help you understand. The, the final thing, and I'm gonna pray. I love that, that Paul in Romans chapter 12 uses this phrase. He talks about these gifts are grace gifts. All these gifts are grace gifts. What does that mean? What it means is this, it's, it's however you're wired, however God has gifted you, it's how God has graced you to show his grace to this world. How you and I can show grace to one another in how we're wired and how that grace can be poured out into this world that can see the love of Christ. Because once again, I really believe that we exist for a world that doesn't know Jesus yet. That that's our main deal. Like, man, we want, we want to help people see Jesus, that matters. And so when, when Paul says in Romans 12, grace gifts, it's important to understand the reason that's a big deal is because you and I are graced in certain ways to help people see Jesus. And the better we can understand the ways that we're graced, the easier it shows through us. So Father, today, God, I pray for you to, to help us wrap our heads around this. And I can only do my best to try to explain it. And there's a lot of content in this. But God, my prayer for all of us is one, to yes, acknowledge I've got a gift. And Lord, I know even as I look out here, there are different people that, hey, they, they understand how they're gifted and, and they're doing that. And there's others that I don't know. I don't know how that works. And, and they're trying to figure it out. My prayer is they can acknowledge, God, I'm gifted somehow. And Lord, would you show me? And then to take some time and just that your spirit would quicken us this afternoon, this evening, maybe an evening this week with our, with our family together that we can look at this thing and, and take this little survey, you know, spiritual gifts, tests, life way, and, and, and go through it. And I think help open our eyes to how you've wired each of us as part of the body of Christ. God, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for what you show us in the book of Acts. Thank you for what Paul does to add to the, the clarity of what we read about so that we can become more what you desire in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.